Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 48 Hours ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Need more true crime in your life? An Audible membership can solve that. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you could choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. Don't miss The Serial Killer's Apprentice by Katherine Ramsland and Tracy Allman. It follows the true story of how Houston's deadliest murder turned a kid into a killer in training. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Audible.com slash 48 hours. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. I grew up not far from where Kristen disappeared. The billboard in Arroyo Grande is visible. It's got Kristen's photo on it. It says missing. It's intriguing. It's something you pass and you think about again. There are currently more than a half million people missing in the United States. Driving past that billboard was a periodic reminder that, oh yeah, they still haven't found that girl. I'm Chris Lambert. I created the podcast Your Own Backyard, which focused on the disappearance of Kristen Smart. It's a little different if you have access to some of the people and places involved. It's different when someone goes missing in your own backyard. Investigators say Smart and two other students left the party that night and walked back to their on-campus dormitory buildings. We're here surrounded by dorms, and yet nobody saw anything. It was a very dead holiday weekend. A lot of people had gone home. In the amount of time that they were alone and whatever happened that her life ended, I think there was plenty of opportunity to hide her body without anybody noticing. My sister turned 19 in February. She disappeared in May. When she disappeared, I was about to graduate eighth grade. But my parents did a really good job of shielding us. Stan and Denise, um, they're wonderful parents. A very large group of friends went down to Cal Poly to help search for her. Stan was there. Denise stayed back and I stayed back with her in case Kristen came home. Never would have dreamed in a million years that she would not return. And Cal Poly is a safe place. You do not think of this happening. This is one of my favorites of her with this great smile that she has. I just love that. It's just, to me, that's just, that captures her. Playful, fun, humorous. She was probably one of the kindest people I knew growing up. Remember her wanting to like travel the world and be an architect. <laughs> she was very driven, passionate. 
I really miss her, and um, she should be here. Originally, when we first took the case, I was determined I would be able to find her in six months. If you've ever been on one of these searches, you walk up a canyon here in San Luis Obispo County, and then there's another canyon off that. And you get to the end of that one, there's another canyon. There's billions of places to hide a body. It's important to explain here that Kristen's case has never been declared cold. A case is only considered cold when law enforcement decides that they've exhausted all of their leads. But what makes it interesting to me is that they've had a suspect since pretty much day one. What went wrong? I'm heading to that suspect's house to try to get some answers about what happened. Good morning, I'm Jonathan Vigliotti with CBS News. Were you involved in the disappearance of Kristen Smart? How could this possibly have gone on this long? It's a cold and cloudy winter afternoon in San Luis Obispo, and I'm retracing missing Cal Poly student Kristen Smart's last known steps. I'm just a naturally curious person, and this case is something that I've wondered about for years. Chris Lambert was just eight years old when Kristen Smart vanished on her way home from a college party in San Luis Obispo, California. I remember seeing it on the news. Kristen is a freshman at Cal Poly, but hasn't been to class since before Still the Still no sign of 19-year-old Kristen, Kristen Smart. Smart left a party on the Cal Poly campus. It was something scary, and they were talking about it pretty regularly. But 22 years later, when he tried to find the latest on the case, Lambert was astounded by what he did not find. There had been no news stories, no official word about Kristen Smart for almost two years. It wasn't being talked about. And that was frustrating for me. So how did I get here making a documentary about this case myself? I don't know. I just checked, and I'm a musician and recording engineer. To go on top of a windy mountain. Even though he'd never investigated anything before, Lambert quit his job to create a podcast. At least once a day, I asked myself, what are you doing? Lambert began looking into what happened to Kristen, collecting articles and documents, chasing down leads, and tracking down anyone with information. I didn't know the scale. I didn't know how many people were going to listen, but I knew that I could try to do a small part. I googled Kristen Smart's name every few years. He never expected it would be a hit, but his podcast caught the attention of millions of listeners and sparked new interest in this decades-old unsolved case. 
Back in May 1996, Kristen Smart was finishing her freshman year at California Polytechnic State University, better known as Cal Poly. Her younger sister, Lindsay, says their mother urged Kristen to go there. You should go to Cal Poly. They're known for being a really safe school. And it was only 250 miles from Stockton, California, where she grew up with Lindsay and their brother, Matt. Her parents, Denise and Stan, were both educators who encouraged their kids' passions. She was who she was because of her parents, for sure. Anne-Marie Christian became friends with Kristen in elementary school. Her parents reminded me of my parents, just very involved with their children, you know, at their sporting events, at their activities, a very close-knit family. Like the rest of the family, Kristen was an athlete. She loved swimming and skiing. But Lindsay says her sister was happiest when she was traveling. She had traveled the world before she even made it to college by herself, which is pretty amazing. She spent a summer in London, was an exchange student in Venezuela, and a lifeguard at a camp in Hawaii. She definitely like took advantage of life, seized the day. She was super ambitious and was determined you know, to find the next adventure, to find the next challenge. That turned out to be college. Like so many freshmen, Kristen struggled. Classes were difficult. She was trying to fit in, and she missed her family. Kristen broke down, begging her mother to let her drop out and go somewhere else. But every Sunday when she called her parents, they encouraged her to stick it out. Longtime family friend Denise Pierce. Things were going to get better, and you know, and, and they did. Friday, May 24th, 1996, was the start of the Memorial Day weekend. Most students had taken off, but Kristen had stayed on campus. So had Margarita Campos, who lived in the next room in Muir Hall. They had become close friends, despite their differences. I was a little bit more um, introverted and inhibited, and she was like, no, we have to go out and we have to go, like live life. And she was growing as an individual. She was pushing herself out of her comfort zone. And I was like, no. <laughs> so when they were invited to a party that Friday night, Kristen was excited to go. Kristen was like, come on, let's go, let's go. And I was like, nah, I have to study. And so she pulled me into this sort of like, oh, come on, let's socialize. And these girls are inviting us out. Let's go. And I was like, Okay, fine. But when we got to the house, it was pretty dead too. It was, a really, it was like a couple of roommates hanging out, playing video games. And Kristen was like, oh gosh, there has to be something better than this. The two girls walked to an area off campus where there were fraternities, sororities, and residential housing for students. Margarita soon decided she'd had enough. You wanted to go home and you were trying to find the way to break it to your friend. That's exactly right. They got to the parking lot of this apartment complex. I was like, Kristen, I'm going to go back home. I'm going to go back to the dorms. You can go. And she's like, please come with me. Please come with me. I told her I didn't, I didn't want to go. Kristen did not have a purse, money, her ID, or even her keys. So before leaving, Margarita handed over her keys to get back into Muir Hall. She was absolutely sober when I left her. I'll never forget her shadow against the building, this apartment complex, just standing like kind of cross-armed with a long leg. And she was just kind of like looking at me like, you're really walking away now. Like, you're really, you're leaving. 
The next morning, Margarita waited to hear from Kristen. I was expecting her to knock on my door and be like, oh, Margarita, you missed a rager, and here's your key. I knocked on her door and I thought she was just sleeping or she went out and about, you know. It wasn't until Kristen's roommate returned to their dorm room that Margarita realized Kristen never came home. How did you know she hadn't been back? Uh, nothing had moved. All of Kristen's personal belongings, including her purse, her money, her ID, were in the room exactly where she had left them. I mean, she was gone. She was gone. By the time they called the Cal Poly campus police, Kristen had been missing for more than 48 hours. But Margarita says the police did not seem concerned. We were like, this is, this is serious. We thought, we're calling the police, like, they know what to do. And the campus police, they were like, are you sure she didn't go out of town? It's like, she has nothing on her. How could she have gone out of town? They thought she was off possibly having fun. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. But they could not have been more wrong. To this day, like I was like, why? Why did I just let her go by herself? I did have guilt about that. But uh, you have to understand, she's a really independent, free spirit. Forty-eight hours listeners know to always expect the unexpected, including when home appliances break down. An American Home Shield warranty can restore your sense of security. It's simple. When a covered item in your home breaks, contact American Home Shield, and their trusted and qualified pros will fix or replace it. Right now, you could take twenty percent off. Go to ahs.com/slash forty-eight to save twenty percent. That's ahs.com/slash forty-eight for 20% off any plan. For more details, see ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. New Jersey residents, the product being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty, which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer. American Home Shield, don't worry, be warranty. A sense of safety is important to everyone, and that's why I want to talk to you about Simply Safe. It's an advanced security system that protects your entire home so you can rest easy. Simply Safe is completely customizable with advanced sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. You can have 24-7 professional home monitoring for less than $1 a day. So try Simply Safe for 60 days risk-free. If you don't love it, you can return your system for a full refund. Plus, we're offering listeners 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Don't wait. Visit simplysafe.com slash 48 hours. That's simplysafe.com slash 48 hours. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Kristen's mother, Denise Smart, spent Memorial Day weekend at a swim meet with her two younger kids. She was looking forward to hearing from Kristen that Sunday. And that phone call never comes. The phone call never comes. 
Instead, on Monday, May 27th, Denise Pierce says the Smarts got a call from Cal Poly's campus police asking if Kristen was with them. Kristen hasn't come home, and we're not sure where she is. We don't know anything. That's when Denise Smart learned her daughter had not been seen all weekend, and all her belongings were still in her dorm room. She was becoming more and more alarmed. You know, she was she was frantic. I don't understand this. You know, what's going on? It is every parent's worst nightmare. The Smarts say they tried to file a missing persons report with the local police, but were told it was too early. And the FBI told them Cal Poly police were in charge. But as Chris Lambert learned, the campus police did not act right away. At that point, I don't think they had ever dealt with a missing person, a possibly murdered person. By the time the Cal Poly police began investigating, Kristen had been gone for four days. As they soon learned, she had ended up at a party at this house. It's mostly frat guys from the Kappa Chi fraternity. I don't know if Kristen knew anybody there. Chris Lambert is a CBS News consultant, and he's pieced together what he learned from people who were there that night. Kristen became incredibly intoxicated, whether she was drugged or whether she just had a lot to drink in a short amount of time. She ends up passed out on the lawn next door. Lambert says Kristen could not stand on her own, so fellow student Cheryl Anderson, who was also at the party, began helping her back to campus. They were soon joined by another party goer, Paul Flores. As they describe it, Paul Flores just sort of appears out of nowhere and offers to help. He gets his arm around her torso and her arm around his neck, and he's helping her walk. Paul keeps stopping along the way and letting Cheryl Anderson know, you can go on ahead, I've got her, it's fine. She didn't think that was okay, so she slowed down and walked with them. When they reached the turnoff to Cheryl's dorm, she says Flores tried to hug and kiss her. She left them only after he promised to take Kristen back to her dorm. I don't think she ever imagined that Kristen would end up dead by the end of the night. Paul and Kristen then make their way here. What happens next? So if you believe Paul's story, he goes into his dorm room here and he leaves her to walk up this walkway. Her dorm entrance is right over here. I personally think that wherever Kristen went, Paul was there with her. I don't think that she went back to her dorm at all. Whatever happened in those early hours, one thing is indisputable. Kristen Smart has never been seen again. She had just 40 yards to go, and yet she vanished. That's the upsetting part about it, isn't it? The investigation seemed to be hampered from the start by a series of missteps by campus police, beginning with their assumption that Kristen was off having fun and ignoring worried friends who said she was missing. So much was lost in those first few days where if that very first phone call was taken seriously, answers might have been uncovered the first week. They also did not focus on Paul Flores immediately, waiting six days to formally interview him. Even worse, they never sealed his dorm room. There was a lot of evidence that could have been gathered that wasn't. Why? I wish I knew why. They did an interview with the Cal Poly Mustang Daily and explained that they didn't think there was any evidence that a crime had taken place. 
By the time they inspected Flores' room, Kristen had been gone for 16 days. School was over, so campus police found an empty room that had been sanitized by the university's cleaning crew. Any evidence that might have been there was long gone. The investigation was completely botched by the campus police. There's no question about it. And while they did not rush to investigate Flores, Kristen's family says campus police were very quick to judge her. Just days after she disappeared, an incident report seemed to imply that Kristen's behavior contributed to her disappearance. There was a lot of focus on how Kristen was drinking, what sounded a lot like victim shaming. Right. A hundred percent that was happening. The report said... Smart does not have any close friends at Cal Poly. Smart appeared to be under the influence of alcohol on Friday night. Smart was talking with and socializing with several different males at the party. But while campus police weren't doing much, Kristen's parents were doing whatever they could to find their daughter. Kristen's father would come down and hike every trail he could find on the Central Coast. He'd go anywhere. He'd go through tunnels, under bridges, looking for his daughter and expecting, best case scenario, he's going to find her body, which is awful for a parent. Early on, a small group of volunteers also looked for Kristen, but a massive search did not happen until she'd been gone for more than a month. That's when the campus police finally handed the investigation over to the San Luis Obispo Sheriff's Office. But they did not find Kristen. Four months after that futile search, Paul Flores was brought before a grand jury. Little is known since the proceedings are kept secret, but no charges were ever filed. Just weeks later, Kristen's frustrated parents contacted James Murphy, a local civil attorney. It was just a sad phone call to have somebody say, our daughter disappeared and we think she's the victim of foul play and we'd like to pursue the guy that we think is responsible. Murphy and his wife, Garen Sinclair, agreed to take the case pro bono, promising to go after Paul Flores and put pressure on the sheriff's office. We had to be the initiators. You would have thought it would have been the other way around. Murphy immediately filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Flores in civil court. And it says wrongful death, and then I put murder. Putting murder on the lawsuit was sending a message to Paul Flores and his family that we believe that he killed Kristen and that we're coming for him. But trying to get him hasn't been easy. It just amazes me the amount of evidence that's available, yet nothing has happened. The day after my sister disappeared, Paul Flores had a black eye and scratches on him. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. 
absolutely, positively FedEx. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and gift mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customized paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. You look at Kristen Smart every day. Every day. The Smart's attorney, James Murphy, and his wife and office manager, Garen Sinclair, have had Kristen's billboard in their front yard since late 1997. It's just a motivator for me. I will go outside at nighttime and I'll look up at the full moon and I'll think that that kid's buried somewhere real close. Murphy and Sinclair promised the smarts the billboard will stay until their daughter is found. I'd love to do anything to end their suffering. And that weighs on you. Yep. Is there any doubt in your mind that Paul Flores is responsible for the disappearance of Kristen Smart? No. No. And Murphy and Sinclair believe they can prove it. They have not been able to proceed with the civil case while there's an ongoing criminal investigation. But that has not stopped them from following every lead and preparing for an eventual trial. There has been no other suspect. Every piece of evidence points directly at Paul Flores. Like his black eye, you can see it faintly in this mugshot taken by the Arroyo Grande police just by chance, two days after Kristen vanished. At the time, they did not know about a missing college student. They were after Paul Flores for an outstanding DUI warrant. Having a black eye doesn't make you guilty of anything. But if the person you were with disappeared from the planet, that's physical evidence. Chris Lambert says two days after that, when Flores was interviewed by campus police, they asked how he got his black eye, as well as scratches on his hands and knees. He says he got a black eye playing basketball with his friends. But one of those friends told police Flores already had the black eye when he arrived. He told those friends he just woke up with the black eye. When authorities later confronted him with the two stories, Flores admitted lying and offered a new explanation. He actually hit his eye on his steering wheel in the middle of the night while changing his stereo. So now you've got three different stories about how he got that black eye. He lied to the police about everything. Flores claimed after walking Kristen back from the party, he went to his room in Santa Lucia Hall while she walked alone to her dorm. But cadaver dogs told a different story. Just days after taking over the investigation, the San Luis Obispo Sheriff's Office brought several dogs like these trained to detect human remains to the Cal Poly dorms. They brought in the first dog and they had the dog go through the dorms. There was no reaction 
until the dog reached Paul Flores' room. Why is a dog that is trained to smell human remains alerting on, amazingly, Paul Flores' dorm room? They let the dog in. The dog makes a beeline to the bed of Paul Flores. Remember, Flores' room had been emptied and thoroughly cleaned. But remarkably, the same thing happened with three more dogs. That suggests that something bad happened in Paul Flores' dorm room. The sheriff's office still wasn't convinced they had enough evidence against Flores, but Murphy says there were other incidents that should have raised alarm bells about him with law enforcement from the very beginning. Paul Flores had a reputation amongst the girls that knew him at Cal Poly as being a creeper, that he was always trying to hit on women. In fact, Cheryl Anderson, who trusted Flores to walk Kristen back to her dorm alone, told police that her friends called him Chester the Molester because he was known for groping girls. So with Cheryl's account alone, we have an unsettling picture of Paul. Just five months before Kristen disappeared, San Luis Obispo police received a call from a student living off campus. There was a man climbing her trellis and trying to get inside her balcony, very intoxicated and refusing to leave. When they showed up, it was Paul Flores. No charges were filed, but Lambert discovered Flores' troubles started at a young age. In high school, he was known as a loner. Chris Lambert spoke with some women who knew Flores back then. They asked him not to use their names. Well, his nickname was Scary Paul. You wouldn't want to be alone in a room with him. You wouldn't let any of your friends be drunk around him. Those were kind of unspoken things. And they told Lambert they weren't surprised when they heard about Flores' connection to Kristen's disappearance. I wasn't surprised, but there's also that shock value of kind of, oh my God, I knew it. Although suspicion surrounded Flores almost from the beginning, any hopes for an arrest were dashed in May 1997, when then-Sheriff Ed Williams made an admission to the San Luis Obispo Telegraph. Quote, We need Paul Flores to tell us what happened to Kristen Smart. So absent something from Mr. Flores, I don't see us completing this case. How significant was that? I think that might have been the biggest misstep that investigators have made to this day to declare to the public, if you stay quiet, you will get away with this. And six months later, when Flores was deposed by James Murphy for the Smart's civil suit, he kept quiet. Uh, would you state your full name for the record, please? Paul Ruben Flores. The only thing he would confirm on tape is that his name is Paul Flores. What is your present residence address? On the advice of my attorney, I refuse to answer that question based on the Fifth Amendment of the United States Constitution. Everything else, he took the Fifth Amendment. He wouldn't answer a single thing. In May of 96, were you a student at Cal Poly? On the advice of my attorney. He invoked the Fifth 27 times. What is the name of your father? On the advice of my attorney. And it worked. You just don't talk and you get away with it. Flores wasn't talking, but was there evidence possibly placing Kristen Smart at his mother's home? Somebody found an earring that they say was Kristen Smart's jewelry 
in the driveway. An earring that appeared to match the necklace Kristen is wearing on this billboard. What do you think was the biggest misstep in the initial investigation? See more photos from the case on Facebook at 48 Hours. When Kristen Smart disappeared, Paul Flores' parents, Susan and Ruben, were separated and living apart. Four months later, while attempting to reconcile, Susan rented out her house in Arroyo Grande. A young couple moves into it with their kid. The mother is washing her car in the driveway at one point. Something shiny catches her eye next to the front driver's side tire. A single woman's earring. That mother, Mary Lassiter, described it to Chris Lambert. It was like a red thing and it was like a smudge, like fingerprint look on the back. Just red like maroon, like old looking, and a smudge that it was like a half a fingerprint. It was turned over to a detective with the San Luis Obispo Sheriff's Office. But Garen Sinclair says the smarts never knew it existed until the Lassiters were deposed in January 1997. He never once turned to the smart family and said, hey, we have an earring. We'd like to show it to you to see if it matches any of your daughter's jewelry. The Smarts then demanded to see it. And that's when they're told that earring has been misplaced. Misplaced. It was never marked as evidence, apparently. But Mary Lassiter says the earring matched the necklace Kristen is seen wearing on this billboard. If it was, in fact, a piece of jewelry that matched Kristen's jewelry, it would have been blockbuster evidence and might have connected Kristen to Susan Flores's house, says James Murphy. There's no way to get evidence back once you've lost it. Another frustration for the smarts. At the time Kristen disappeared, investigators weren't aware that Paul Flores's parents were separated and living apart, so they did not immediately get a warrant to search Susan Flores's home. Even more difficult to understand was why they waited two months to search this house, the family home where Paul Flores was living with his father, Ruben. And when they did... They didn't bring cadaver dogs with them. They didn't bring a forensics team. They didn't look at the Flores family's vehicles. They might have found evidence in those vehicles. Paul Flores did not have a car on campus, so Murphy surmises he had to have had help. And it's 2.30 and 3 o'clock in the morning at Cal Poly. This is not a location from which Paul alone could easily move a body without a vehicle. But further investigation of the Flores' two trucks seemed impossible. In the months after Kristen's disappearance, one truck was traded in. The other was reported stolen. But it's Susan Flores's concrete backyard that has gotten the most attention. It has been the focus of widespread speculation for more than two decades, especially her planter boxes. Around the time Kristen disappeared, they cut out planter boxes in the backyard. So they cut out big chunks of concrete and filled it in with soil. In one of Paul's police interviews, he mentioned that he wanted to be let out of the interview because he needed to help clean up concrete at his mom's house. So what was being done in Susan Flores' backyard in the weeks after Kristen went missing? 
And then there's this disturbing story that Mary Lassiter told Chris Lambert. In the master bedroom, I'm hearing this beep beep every night at 4.20 in the morning. Lassiter says it came from one of the planter boxes in the backyard. She said it drove her crazy, and she went out there many times in the middle of the night to try to find it with sticks sticking down into the planter boxes down in the soil. And after a few months of living there, the beeping stops. Even more chilling, Chris Lambert discovered Kristen was working as a lifeguard at Cal Poly, and her watch alarm went off every morning about that time. What was Denise Smart's reaction when you told her about this beeping in Susan's backyard? Shock. Susan's house was finally searched in March 1997, nine months after Kristen disappeared, but nothing was found. I think it's very possible that Kristen was at Susan Flores' house at some point early on. I think that anybody reasonable would have moved her somewhere safer. It would be three more years before the property was searched again. At 8 a.m. on June 19, 2000, a team of sheriff's investigators knocks on the front door of Susan Flores' East Branch Street home. With them is a group of FBI evidence response team members and a search warrant. That warrant allowed them to dig up the backyard, but deputies chose not to excavate. Denise Pierce says that was a crushing blow for the Smart family. To be almost there to think that, you know, you're going to finally get some resolution and then, you know, it doesn't happen the way it's supposed to, devastating. And there would be more disappointment in 2007 after the Smart's legal team searched a small portion of Susan Flores's backyard with ground-penetrating radar and did not find any evidence. They just have never given up and are never going to give up on their daughter. Ruben Flores and his estranged wife Susan have always denied any role in Kristen Smart's disappearance. Do you uh, have any information as to where Kristen Smart's body is located? Of course not. Does your husband have any information as to where Kristen Smart's body is located? No. When they were deposed by James Murphy, they also insisted their son was not involved. Does your son have any information as to where Kristen Smart's body is located? Nope. Has your son ever told you that he did not kill Kristen Smart? We never asked that question. We just, you know, a thing about it. He says, no. Through the years, the Smarts have kept pressure on the Flores family, but the Floreses have fought back, suing the Smarts for intentionally inflicting emotional distress on them. Like the Smarts civil case, theirs is also on hold. In the meantime, Paul Flores moved to Southern California, where he has bounced from job to job. But as Chris Lambert learned, Flores's pattern of behavior with women didn't stop. A couple times I'd take him home and he would just, oh, come on, just give me a kiss, just give me a kiss. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way. Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. 
So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Paul Flores may have wanted a fresh start in Southern California, but Chris Lambert says he could not seem to break old habits. Paul worked with a number of women that he made incredibly uncomfortable, girls who he tried to make a pass at sexually, um, girls that he tried to force to kiss him. Some of those women who did not want their real names used told Lambert about their encounters with him. So I walk him up to his sister's apartment, and all of a sudden he just like picked me up, carried me inside, turned around, he shut the apartment door and locked it. So I said, you better turn some lights on right now and let me out or I'm going to scream. So eventually he unlocked you know, the apartment door and, and I left. Lambert also interviewed a woman who dated Flores until she says he became physically and verbally abusive. When he had like a butter knife and he like held it to my neck and I was screaming and my roommate actually kicked down the door to make him stop. But Paul Flores was never charged with any of these incidents. Back in San Luis Obispo, the Smarts, feeling ignored by the sheriff's office, continued a relentless campaign to get them to do more to find their daughter. What toll over time did this have on your parents? I think they're like carrying boulders on their back. Then in 2011, there was a new sheriff in town. If you were making a film about a new law enforcer who's coming to a small town to save the day, you'd probably cast Parkinson. Sheriff Ian Parkinson promised the smarts that solving Kristen's case would be a priority. I committed to them that I was going to go back to the beginning and re-examine every piece of evidence that we had. But Parkinson acknowledges it hasn't been easy. Was this case, given the evidence that was lost early on, doomed from the very beginning? Yes, I, I guess the answer is yes. There was early mistakes made that you can't recover from when you're missing those vital pieces. Is this a case that takes a miracle to solve? I hope not. He hired a full-time detective to work on cases that were cold or unsolved. And over the past nine years, Parkinson says there have been a number of new searches including one in September 2016. After getting a new lead, the sheriff's office, with help from the FBI, excavated the hillside near the Cal Poly P, but they did not find Kristen's remains. We've done 96 different interviews and collected 258 pieces of additional evidence. Remember the Flores' two trucks that disappeared shortly after Kristen went missing? In 2019, the sheriff's office recovered both of them. Any evidence that you can tell us about? 
I can tell you that, yes, there was some evidence, but I can't tell you what the evidence is. We're still in the process of examining forensically some of the evidence using state-of-the-art technology. And earlier this year, sheriff's investigators and FBI agents went back to search Susan Flores' house. At the same time, more investigators showed up at Paul's house, his father's house, and even his sister's house. Are you hopeful that cops are moving in? I've been hopeful the whole time. Once I could see proof that they were moving forward, I thought somebody is taking this seriously, but how much time do you give them? You gotta move and you've gotta do it now. More than two decades after Kristen vanished, Parkinson says Paul Flores remains the only suspect in her disappearance. The question is, is what role did he play? That becomes the, the, the challenge of solving and proving. I don't think he intended to kill Kristen. I don't know if it was a struggle, if it was an accident, but I do believe that Paul tried to clean up that mess and make sure that he didn't get in trouble for it. And it's been 24 years. I think it's time to talk. We thought the same thing. Hi, Paul. Good morning. I'm Jonathan Vigliotti with CBS News. Were you involved in the disappearance of Kristen Smart? Paul, can you tell us what happened that night between you and Kristen? Paul, aren't you fed up of not being able to share your side of the story? All of the suspicion that has followed you for so many years. Do you know where Kristen's body is? Paul, what happened? Denise Pierce says her good friend, Denise Smart, won't rest until she has the answers. And Kristen is found. She once said to me, you know, um, early on, I don't know what I would do if this went on for 20 years. You know, I'm like, oh, you're so crazy. And here we are at 24 years. She has never given up. I'm just so hoping that there's going to be some resolution real soon. Earlier this year, Lindsay Smart Stewart came to this beautiful spot. This is the family and friends bench. Overlooking the Pacific Ocean and home to Kristen's memorial. So we're at Kristen's lookout point. My daughter's decorated it with roses. It's the first time Lindsay has visited in 13 years. It feels good. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't this optimistic and this hopeful, like in this moment. I feel like the clouds are clearing. You don't ever stop thinking about it. I think of her as a bright, warm light. We'll never forget her. The Kristen Smart Campus Safety Act became California law in 1998. It requires campus and local police to have a joint plan to handle investigations of violent crime on campus. I'm Erin Moriarty, 48 Hours, and this is my life of crime. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The role of a journalist is to bring Americans a greater understanding. We have to make sure that we're right, that we're fair, but also hopefully bring Americans closer together.
Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. Join me, 48 Hours Correspondent Erin Moriarty, on my podcast, My Life of Crime, as I take on true crime investigations like no other. This season, I'm looking into the secrets within families cutting straight to the evidence and talking to the people directly involved. Enjoy My Life of Crime on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on Wondery Plus. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Farian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.